The title of the message this morning is, God is Able. I invite you to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that ye ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now, I'm not preaching from that verse this morning, but of course, you see the word able is there. And but uh, I could. Uh, I should. Uh, somebody should. Um, all those adjectives or adverbs or, or descriptive words in there. Now, there's another word in that little verse that's almost the same as able. Someone tell us what it is. Power. Power. Exactly right. So we must take a, a moment or two to talk about these two words. But before I do that, I want to tell you what drew me to this message. Three things, and I'm not necessarily giving these in any particular order, but three things. Our Sunday school lesson that we just had. I, I, I marked eight promises of God just in our text that we just finished studying. Just in the Sunday school, the eight promises of God. Well, what's a promise? The, the children of Israel had history to go on. They had seen God work miracle after miracle after miracle. They had that history to go on. Now God, in what we looked at this morning, gave them eight promises. And like David said, he said, arise and go. Why would they ever think about not going? So the Sunday school, God is able. The Sunday school lesson drew me to this. The book that's hot off the press, Kidnapped in Haiti. If you haven't read that, and most of you probably haven't. By the way, just for interest's sake, how many of you have read it completely? Okay, just a few. All of you know about the situation. Most of you have some, because there are 17 people in captivity there for 62 days. Most of you have some uh, connection to that. You knew somebody that knew somebody that, or you knew the person that was there. Okay. All the miracles that's in that book, that's in that story. Um, so the book, yeah, I realize it's just hot off the press. Many of you have not had opportunity to even see it or to buy it or to read it, of course, you know, but you should. Kidnapped in Haiti. 
by the press that does books for Christian Aid Ministries. Uh, the third thing that brought me to this message was a, a devotional. In a little book I have a, a devotional about the fact that God is, a, God is able. So I said we need to look at these two words in, in Ephesians 3, uh, 20. I said the word able and power are, are closely related. So they are. Strong uh, concordance, strong's concordance. The, the two words are right next to each other in the Greek dictionary, in his Greek dictionary, number 1410 is able, and number 1411 is power. And so maybe some of you had heard of the, the Greek word for, for power uh, before, and that's dunamis. And the word for able is dunamai. Still, the emphasis is on the first syllable, the do. Uh, dunamai. And they're number 1410, number 1411 in the Greek dictionary. It's, it's, it's numbered by Strong's and Strong's Concordance. <clears throat> in fact, in Vine's Greek dictionary, when you when you it, it has rather than having a separate entry for for the word ability and able, it has them two words just put together, ability and able. And um, when you read the de- definitions in, in the Greek dictionary, they almost read just alike: uh, the word for able and the word for for power. <clears throat> Um, let me read verse 20 once again, then we'll move on. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able, this was Paul writing, he knew from his own experience, he knew from history, a God that is able, that is able to do, (laughs) and this is where you have to start preaching. As I said, somebody should preach from this verse. You know, all these descriptives, to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. How's he do it? Why? How is he able? Because of his power at the end of the verse. Because of the power that worketh in us, these things can happen in our lives. God is able to make things happen and to help things happen and to be the, the, the instigator behind things that happen in my life and in yours. That's how the verse ends. That worketh in us. God is able. So, the first two couple of references we'll look at have to do with the fact that it uses the word grace along with able. That was interesting to me. And so we'll look at both of them together. After that, we'll look at at a couple of places where the word able is used concerning the the life of Abraham and Abraham's faith. So first, let's, let's look at um, these two words where Abel is associated with grace. 
I invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What, what can this message do for you this morning? As I've said many times before when I share, you know, I, I can only share what I'm thinking and what God brings to my mind, but I realize many times that um, I, because I don't know what's going on in your personal life, I know that God can take his word and make something jump out that you need today. And I may not know that, and that's fine. But the power of God's word, he, he can take something and, and, and use it in a special way in, in your life. And you may, there may be a, those of you here that you're wondering, um, you know, how do I face this? I don't know what to do with this situation. I don't know how to get through this. This is difficult. Can I tell you this morning that God is able? Yes, he is. Um, so, two, two places um, where um, the word grace is used with this thing of able, the ableness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, I want to try to run down a little bunny trail. I don't apologize for this. I'm doing this very intentionally. And um, if I, I trust that the Lord will help me to say it. Uh, in a way that um, that I can get to you <laughs> what, what the Lord blessed me with in studying this. Um, okay, most of you that know your Bible very well, you realize as you look here, um, what he's talking about here specifically is the blessing that the Macedonians were in sharing a financial gift with some poor people. Uh, like maybe it, started, it starts in chapter 8. And if you, those of you that have a, little, a few little headings in your Bible, you can see what I'm talking about, of course. Uh, and so my chapter 8 starts off with uh, the example of the Macedonians. And it's about sharing this financial gift. <clears throat> Even when they were poor themselves, they shared financially with some poor people. And God's grace, as you see in the verse that we just looked at, chapter 9, verse 8, what, what, I'm, what, what we'll see is that when God... When we say, when we go part, when we give something to God, God won't stomp on that, but he'll take that and he'll say, bless you, I will bless you more. When we turn toward God, he will take that as, 
as a yes on our part to do something for him, to give ourselves to him. And he will bless us in other ways because of that. And so what I'm trying to say here is I'm going to show you uh, this. This is a bunny trail. We're running down a little bit very intentionally how, how that various verses show that when when that God takes financial things and 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 spiritual things and he and he says they're they're kind of like this um, I say financial I should sit maybe say material things when when we are like we should be with with material things because we're stewards of God's things and we use them the way we should he he says that that has something to do with our spiritual walk also and our our spiritual uh growth and, and the way we handle uh material things is is so interconnected and i realize that's a whole subject in itself but um so look, look at verse 8 again. He was, the subject was the Macedonians giving materially to some poor people, some poor Christians. But look at what he's saying, what he's bringing in and saying in verse 8. And God is able he, he, to, to make all grace abound to you. All grace. You did this, and now God's going to bless you abundantly. He's, all grace, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye having always having all sufficiency in all things, God's going to bless you, and you're going to have sufficient maturely, and in some other ways too. You're going to have sufficiency in spiritual things too. Having sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Every good work. That sounds like some more than just giving somebody a gift. In fact, I'm going to quickly read verses I believe it's every verse from verses 6 to 13 and try to point out to you what Paul, Paul is suggesting that material things, the way we handle them and our spiritual growth go hand in hand. Now, look at verse 6. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall, shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You think he's just talking about sowing your wheat crop there? Or may he be talking, been talking about more than sowing your wheat crop there? I suggest the latter. Verse 7. Every man according to what he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. For God loveth, I underline loveth, a cheerful giver. Now listen, do you think God only loves cheerful givers? Does he hate everybody else? Well, of course not. That's not the point of the verse. God loves everybody. 
But Paul is saying that God does something special, a special blessings apparently, and he used the word loveth here, to those that are free with their material possessions. And it's going to affect them spiritually in other ways. For God loveth a cheerful giver. We already talked about verse 8. I won't say that, but it's all in there. Verse 8. Look at verse 9. As it is written, he that disperseth abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. I'll just tell you, this is your homework, I guess. It might be a couple of homework assignments this morning because of time. But if you have noted, some of you have noted in your Bible, that comes from uh, Psalms 112, verse 9. Read Psalm 112, this is your homework, and realize the connection with material things and the blessings of God in other areas, spiritual blessings in general. Now, when you read that quote here in verse 9, you might think it's talking about, if you don't know the context of Psalm 112, you think about it saying that... uh, His righteousness remaineth forever. Talking about God's righteousness. No, it's not. It's talking about the person that give. He will be righteous. His righteousness remaineth forever. It will affect him spiritually. It's talking about the man that giveth. He that, the one that disperses abroad, his righteousness, the man's righteousness, going will will remaineth forever. It will affect him spiritually in the days to come, forever, in in fact. So, homework, study Psalm 112, verse 10. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, look at the word both. Paul's saying, I'm getting ready to say two things here. Both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. Okay, so that's a blessing if we take care of our material things and give our material things. But he's not done it. The the, the both, the second part of the both is the end of the verse. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. It's going to have something to do with your, your spiritual growth. Your righteousness. Verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Not just bless, is going to bless you financially if you give. No, no, no. It's going to bless you in more than financial ways. It's going to bless you spiritually generally. Being enriched in everything in all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. You think he's saying, I'm I'm only thankful for you because you gave a gift to the poor people. No, he's not. He's saying, I'm thankful for you because God is working in your life. You are growing in the things of God. The giving of your gift to them, the Macedonians giving the gift to the poor people was just a little part of it. A part of the expression. A part of what was happening in their lives. Verse 12. For the administration or the rendering of this service... Not only, you see, he's getting ready to say more than one thing here. Not only, not only, not only bless them financially, not only. Let me read the verse now. 
for the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, that's the financial part that bless them, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Kind of similar to what he said in verse 11. Verse 13. Whiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them unto all men. So in that verse, he turns it around. He said, you are growing spiritually. You are blessed spiritually. The first part of it, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. They glorify God because that's what you are. You've been a spiritual blessing. You are a spiritual blessing. You're a spiritual example. But also, of course, they appreciate you being liberal in material things, the end of the verse. Before we leave this passage, we emphasize verse 8 again, what we started with. God is able to do that. God is able, when we give him a little, he'll say, bless you, I'll bless you in many other ways. God is able, verse 8, he's able, he's powerful to do this, he's able to do this, to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, both material and spiritual, may abound to every good work. Acts 20, verse 32. Acts 20, verse 32. This is the other verse that has grace associated with Abel. Acts 20, verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, there's the grace, which is able. The grace of God is able. The grace of God is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now listen, it is so interesting to me that right here in the same close connection, in the close verses, he brings in material things and giving and handling of material things. Continuing to read, verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. We can stop right there. You think Paul, the apostle Paul was rich? You know his life. Do you think he was rich? We know he was poor. And yet, he had, he made enough money, we'll say, to give to others. It says in the end of verse 33, what his hands have done have ministered unto his own necessities and to them that were with me. He was able to give materially to some of those that were working with him. Verse 35, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. Huh? Is that saying something about giving material, materially? And to remember the words 
of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to be blessed by God? I mean, you want to be blessed by God across the board in material things and in spiritual things. You want to grow spiritually? Jesus said you'll be blessed in giving more than receiving. End of verse 35. Verse 32 again. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. His grace is able, you see, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. We must quickly move on. Let's look at the word able concerning Abraham. Romans 4.21. God is able. Romans 4.21. Abraham's righteousness by faith. And as you look here, you know the story. You know how he took his son and offered him on the altar. And yet, I mean, in his heart he had offered him, but yet the angel stopped him just before he dropped the knife. You know the story. This is Romans 4.21. I'll read verse 20 first. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not do that, you see. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. You see, God is able. God had promised it. Abraham knew that if God promised it, he was able to perform. Persuaded that he is able that's what it says in verse 21. Have you ever heard that song before? Persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Lord willing, at the end of the service, we'll sing that. Persuaded that he is able. Are you? Abraham was. Are you? God is able. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven nineteen. These, this is, again, it's, it's referring exactly to the same situation, but we should quickly look at it. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven nineteen. I'll read verse 17 to 19. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, how can that be? How could he offer him up, but yet God had promised that through his seed uh, others would come? But kill him before he was married. 
that doesn't make sense, does it? How could that be? Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And by the way, another piece of homework Read that verse 19 in a couple other translations, and you'll see that the last part of verse 19 is saying that um, Abraham, in, in his heart, Abraham, in his heart, killed his son, like God told him to do. I mean, well, I mean, we don't really have to say it because we know the story. I mean, Abraham had tied him up and was getting ready to drop the knife when the angel stopped him. And so I think we can understand that, that Abraham had, had done it and was convinced that he should do it because God said he should. And so in his heart, he sacrificed his son. But how could he figure this out? Well... It says it in verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up if he needed to. God is able. Yeah. You'll see in reading Kidnapped in Haiti how God was able to do, how God was able to do many things. And uh, because people are human, because the, the heads of Christian aid ministries are human, and because those 17 that were captive were human, you know, from, without reading the book, that in neither group, Christian aid management and the 17, they didn't always agree on things. They, they couldn't get their heads together on how to handle this. But may I say God is able? God is able. When unity came together, uh, well, God worked in miraculous ways when there wasn't unity. But, of course, he worked in miraculous ways uh, when there was unity. And he worked out things according to his plan and his purposes uh, regardless of the uh, influences of human human reasoning and human nature and so forth. God is able. So, let's look at three other things here concerning God is able. The first one, God is able to save. And then, God is able to help us in temptation. That's a, I mean, temptation can be so strong, and God is able to help us through that. And God is able to keep us. So God is able to save. God is able to keep us in temptation. God is able, able to, to keep us uh, just in life in general until, until we get to heaven. Let's look at a passage where it talks about God is able to save, and it's right here in Hebrews uh, chapter 7 Hebrews chapter 7 
the verse is, um, I'll read the one verse and then go back and read a couple verses before that, okay? Hebrews chapter 7, the verse is verse 25. Verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And of course, what he's, what he's saying here, you, you know Hebrews, it's, it's, it's a book of, of better things and how Jesus was a so much better sacrifice and better intercessor than the Old Testament system. Um, and so when it says the end of verse 25, seeing he ever liveth, it's talking about Jesus himself, of course. Seeing he ever liveth. So go back to verse uh, 22. Verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests. Talking about in the history now, there were many priests. Because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. There were so many priests because one would die and then someone would have to take his place over the long history of the past. And another one would die and another one would have to take his place. And another one would die and another one would have to take his place. And so you, you get, have a relation, you, you personally would have a relationship, let's say, with a priest. And... Um, he would understand your, your misgivings and he would understand your shortcomings and he would understand your sins and, and, and that's good. And you, you, you appreciate this, this relationship with this priest that understands you. And lo and behold, that priest dies and now you have this, oh, well, the next priest, he won't understand my history. He won't understand me. He won't understand my failings. He won't understand my shortcomings. And so then you have to get a whole new relationship with a new priest. <laughs> Let me start at verse 22 again with that in mind. Look at these verses. Verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. They died. Verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank God for that. God is able to save through Jesus Christ, and Christ understands and is our continuing priest. <clears throat> now, he's able uh, to understand temptation and to help us. Now, you say, wait a minute, how can God, how can God understand my temptation? Well, the Bible clears us, clearly tells us why. And we're going to just stay in the book of, of, of Hebrews. Chapter 2 and verse 18. Chapter 2 and verse 18. 
Again, I'll read this, but then I'll go back and read a couple verses before. But chapter 2, verse 18, think about God is able to understand our, my temptation and to help us in our temptation. Chapter 2, verse uh, 18, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or to help them that are tempted. That's just a flat out little short statement and how true that is. Now, look at verse 14. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, do you believe that or not? I'm talking about mainly the first part of the verse, in the middle part of the verse. Oh, but I, I'm just flesh and blood. I'm just made of flesh and blood. And I have so many temptations from this wicked world in which I live. Well, that's why Jesus was made flesh and blood. We believe and preach and teach. And according to the scripture, God, Jesus was 100% God and was 100% man at the same time. And he was made flesh and blood just like me. Therefore, he can understand me. Verse 14. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So sometimes the devil might say, well, no, he, he wasn't really a, a, a man like you or a woman like you. He, he, he was too good for that. He, he was an angel. No, he wasn't. Right there it is. He took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He was a fully 100% man, and therefore he can understand me, and he can understand you. And women, he can understand you too. Okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that takes the God part of him <laughs> or not. But I'm so glad he was... I don't know if I ever heard anybody say this before. I think I'm so glad he was a man. I think he, I'm so glad he was male. Uh, so he can understand me. But uh, him being fully human and also God, yes. <laughs> he can understand females also. <clears throat> okay, enough for that. Let, let's move on. But look at verse... Uh, look at verse... Uh, um, 17, 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. How many times does he need to say it? He's saying it a few times here in a few different words so we get it, okay? Made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. See, he can be the best high priest and he can understand us all the way. He can be, uh, what does it call him? He can be a merciful high priest. He can be a faithful high priest to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And we end with verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able. He is able. To help them that are tempted. Praise God for that. Wow. <clears throat> okay. 
And then lastly, he's able to keep. To keep what? He's able to keep my life. And he's able to keep my destiny. And he's able to keep me from falling. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12, 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Have you committed your life to Christ? If you have... Uh, He's able to, to keep it. He's able to keep you. Yes, he is. And uh, you could read a few verses before that. I won't take time to do that. Uh, and then last, the book of Jude. That little book there just before, just before Revelation. The book of Jude and verses... <clears throat> 24 and 25. Jude verses 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless that may be a sermon in itself but um you say, well, I have so many faults. And so how can he present me faultless? Um, he can, he's able to do that. Uh, his blood, his sacrifice, his blood um, covering my sins. Um, he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with his exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.